Hey, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. I hope you guys are enjoying your day. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with me here at the intersection of faith and culture. This is the Off the Bench podcast. Today, I'm going to tackle the issue of infertility. And my friend, Melissa Crabtree, is going to be on here to talk about this with me. Chances are pretty good that some of you have a friend or a family member who's dealing with infertility. And today, we're going to talk about what, what to say, what not to say, and hear a story of hope in the midst of infertility. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me today. I'm going to jump right into this topic because my guest today is probably one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. In fact, I know she is. She's a second mother to my kids. Uh, She's the reason I didn't lose my mind when I was running for Congress. Melissa Crabtree has been working with me now for over a decade. And Uh, It's fair to say we've been through a lot together. We know each other pretty well. And she's been on the show several times. We've talked about homeschooling. We've talked about essential oils. She and I are both very oily uh, people. We love our essential oils. And today she's going to share a little bit of a more personal story with you as she discusses she and her husband struggle with infertility. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the show. Hey there. Hey, thanks for letting me share this story. I think it's encouraging to hear from others who are walking it because it can feel lonely sometimes. So I'm glad to share it. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to do that. Every once in a while, you know, I'll get a a letter here at the show from a mom who says, Hey, I've got, you know, six kids, but my best friend is really struggling to get pregnant. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to help her. Or I'll hear people say, uh, you know, I, 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 I inadvertently wounded my friend who's struggling with infertility or conversely, Sometimes I'll get letters from moms who write in and say, this is the the sorrow of my life, you know, that Mm -hmm. I have not been able to have a child while other people around me are getting on with their lives and they're having their families and they're moving on. Uh, That hasn't been the case for you, although your story is a little bit different. You you struggle with something I think was termed secondary infertility, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning you did have one biological child that you struggled to conceive, but then after that, uh, you haven't been able to naturally conceive a child, correct? Yeah. So ours would actually have been primary and secondary, which really is just a, we just have a little miracle in there in the middle, even, even more so, Mm. you know, we didn't realize until later when, so we struggled for about a year and a half to conceive Jacob. And once we conceived, we were like, Oh, awesome. Now we're ready to go. It never crossed my mind that we would, that, that he would be it. And that we would, um, Mm. you know, that we would be 20, 20 years later with no other conception. So I really thought we had, we had fixed it and we were finished. Um, and then you're right after we had him, then, you know, we're still, we still haven't been, haven't conceived again since then. We, we have adopted for people who are confused, uh, who know us. We do have a 16 year old that the Lord gave us a gift through adoption uh, four years after Jacob. So. Yeah. And, and even that, I mean, you've got it. That's an amazing story in and <laughs> of itself, just how God's really, uh, you know, heard the cry of your heart just in a different way. And you guys are coming up on what? Is it 24 years of marriage somewhere in there? Something yes, like June will be 24 years. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Well, I, I'm i curious to know, you know, you and I have talked about this from time to time, just as as friends, just talking about at life. But I'm, I'd like to kind of touch on the best way that people can support a friend who's either trying to get pregnant and can't or has already, you know, been given, hey, this is a diagnosis of infertility because you have been there and done that. And sometimes it can be pretty lonely. Yeah. It's uh, when you're of 
typical childbearing age, it's a lot of people around you are often having kids. Um, and I, we did have one other friend who also was, was, uh, having a hard time conceiving. Um, but we were surrounded by lots of people having babies and not being pregnant didn't mean I was, you know, frustrated or bitter at everybody else who was, I was, I love babies and I was thankful yeah. for so many other people, you know, having them. Um, but it is, there's a grief in there, you know, that you're constantly, not constantly, I would say maybe consistently walking through. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, I think grief is always lonely at certain times. Yeah. And I think it's important to hear people say, listen, it's okay to grieve, right? It's it's all right to grieve. Uh, Gary and Laura were just on the show with me last week talking about the death of their son. And in some regards, while we're not talking about the death of a child, you are talking about the death of a dream. You know, the death yeah. of something that you that you really wanted, that you prayed for, that you asked God for. Did it challenge your walk with the Lord in the middle of this, <laughs> wondering where where, you know, hey, hey God, here I am. I'm doing I'm doing the right things. I'm following you. I'm trusting you. Uh, when are you gonna show up? Yeah, it did, and it wasn't um, you know, it says through scripture that children are a blessing. And so if you know that, then if you're not careful it can be easy to say, well, why, why, why don't I get that one? You know, hmm. I know that God can say yes and do this. We know that the Lord opens and closes the womb. Um, he creates, you know, he creates children. He's clearly not doing that. And he could. Yeah. So there was, is consistently still, now I don't think about it as much as I used to, but um, there is there is always that question of, okay, if children are a blessing and we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, why won't he let me? <laughs> you yeah. Know? And, um, but really you, you never know the why. And at some point you just have to settle. And, um, there was a point when we were, uh, I really felt like we were supposed to fast for several days. Um, I think it was about a week and I had asked several good friends to, pray with us for that very specific time through that time and several fasted also. And, um, I was, I was asking the Lord either take away this incredibly strong desire of mine or grant it. Um, and I got kind of the answer I didn't think I was going to get, but I was asking the Lord and I was praying through, I happened to be reading through in the Bible where it was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and where he, he asked God, um, he said, you know, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And God, obviously, we know the story. God said, no, there isn't any other way. This is the way. And that mm. hit me like a wall. And I thought, okay, this is the way. Then here mm. we go. And then I, I want to do the best I can walking this road. And I did feel like the Lord said no. Um, now, could the Lord still have you know, had chosen any time in the last 20 years to give us another child? And I'd be wrong mm -hmm. that the Lord said no, or maybe it was no for a time because several people said that. Well, maybe it's just no right now and kind of trying to talk me out of what I felt like, you know, the Lord mm -hmm. uh, had answered. I mean, I asked him for a very specific prayer and he gave me an answer that so far, 20 years later, has proven to be true. Um, mm. So it is. Um, so that was the beginning of just a very solid knowing that the Lord can take this cup if he, if he so chooses yeah. and he hasn't. Mm -hmm. um, there was a point when we were in an IVF, we found out that we were really good candidates for IVF and we didn't have $20,000 for it. 
And we sat in the office there just trying to figure out all the details. And I felt like both of us, Robert and I looked at each other and we're like, we are not supposed to be here. And Mm. so we told the doctor that we're like, yeah, we're not supposed to go this route. And I don't actually remember which happened first. I don't remember if the fasting week was before that appointment. Um, But there were just a couple times in there where it was like, this isn't it. We didn't need to pay $20,000 for God to still say no. Mm. And um, so there was just a really, just a really strong choice to trust him that he knew what was best for our family. And, um, and thus far that meant not giving us more. Um, One thing I was always really thank, have been always quite thankful for in all of that pain is he has saved us the grief of loss. Um, Mm. Lots of people's infertility journey involves a lot of losses and Mm -hmm. We Jacob has been our one conception. Um, we haven't gone through the grief and loss of miscarriage. And I feel like he protected us from that. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could have walked through that also, but that would have been a whole nother, that would have been really hard too. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He, he guarded us in, um, you know, losses that he could have allowed and, and also didn't. Well, and, this is really, I mean, I think it's a lot more common than people like to talk about. It's estimated that one in eight couples, which is 12% mm. of married women, are, are having trouble getting pregnant or sustaining a pregnancy, certainly now in the the uh, post-COVID. We're hearing more and more talk about yeah. infertility and pregnancy loss. And I think it's important for listeners to be able to have conversations with women who are struggling and couples who are struggling because it's not just the women it's mm-hmm. their husbands as well right the loss of or that that desire for a child certainly wasn't just yours it was also your husband's yeah it was and robert definitely um i don't know that he knew how much i i longed really for more kids back then i have always loved newborns you know some people their personalities they like toddlers you're like a newborn magnet though. i just you're like mary poppins with newborns i just i love and i always have like when my little sister i was eight when my little sister was born and my mom said i was the best babysitter better than the 16 year old (laughs) you know in the house or 14 year old i just i love that stage um but yeah i don't even robert said recently he said i don't i don't think i realized how badly you were hurting now, to his mm. credit, I'm one who kind of likes, I like to go cry in the shower by myself. Um, so I don't tend to emote a lot around even him. Um, so, but husbands and wives both grieve really differently, especially yes. uh, yeah. it's easy for, say, one person to be angry at the other person who has a health issue or something they can't fix or mm-hmm. something they should fix, but they don't want to. Um, Mm -hmm. there's so much tension and then your own, your own hurt. If you're not dealing with it, well, you're both hurting differently or maybe one really doesn't want to have kids, but the other one does. And Mm -hmm. so then there's that, you know, there just, there are a lot of dynamics and you really have to be um, kind and considerate about each other and just continue to take it to the Lord. I want to touch on ways that we can, uh, encourage and love on our friends who are struggling with infertility. And there's a couple of websites that I'm going to link back to that people can look at for just, there's actually a lot of really great stuff on the internet now, which is wonderful because this did not used to be the case. I mean, before the internet, I mean, I complain all the time, as you well know, (laughs) about the internet, Uh, but this is actually one really good aspect of it. There is a lot of help out there uh, for people, but you had said 
before we started recording today, there were a couple of things that were particularly, you said, you don't like the rules, you know, don't say this or, or do say that. But I actually think it's really helpful just in giving people a sensitivity so they mm-hmm. at least kind of know, hey, maybe I should be careful before I wade into this, con- you know, uh, before I wade into a conversation that I don't know how to navigate my way around. And one of the things that you'd said was that when your friends would find out that they were pregnant, knowing that you were struggling with infertility, it really was helpful to you if they told you in private rather than mm-hmm. feel like you sort of got ambushed in a big group. Yeah, there was. And I I didn't I wouldn't have known that at first until I went through that once. Um, and it was it, it was very, very hard because you are you're so excited for your friend who has. this Yeah. Gift. But having to handle the immediate that and that was very, very early on in our journey, um, having to handle that grief that is so real and so present while trying to celebrate in the room and also knowing you're surrounded by people who know you and love you and know how hard this is for you. Right. And for someone who doesn't really like to emote in a large group of people, <laughs> um, that was a lot to handle. So after that, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously you can't go to somebody and say, Hey, I think you might be saying you're pregnant soon, but um, I think I must've told a couple of people. Um, and at some point that just changed a little bit, but if you find yourself, um, you know, if you are pregnant and you know somebody is struggling, I personally, for me, it was really a gift when people would tell me that just by myself. It doesn't have to be a face-to-face coffee date or, you know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, um, but uh, giving me the time to process that before it's in a public setting, um, that that mm-hmm. really did prove to be quite helpful. And then mm-hmm. I think, too, if you, um, you know, we talked about some of the rules and things if you are struggling, if you're, if you're hurting and, and, you know, the Lord is not granting you the desires, um, of the children that you're asking for, when people say things, you know, people will say dumb things, but they don't mean to, you know, they're just not thinking it falls out. Um, and they're, they, if they don't know your grief, they're certainly Mm -hmm. not intentionally, you know, trying to say something foolish. Um, there are a lot of foolish things, you know, that you can say, but one of the things that I would, Um, if we're talking to people who have a friend who's struggling is if you are pregnant, complaining about the difficulty of pregnancy to someone who would really give everything to have that nausea. (laughs) Yeah. um, yeah. That would be another thing is maybe just find a different friend to not a different friend altogether, but just pick Mm -hmm. somebody who's not asking the Lord for that to, to um, walk through the struggles with. Um, not, not never say anything, you know, cause you don't want to have a false friendship there, but, um, it's, I think it can be a kindness mm. to, um, you know, just be conscious of the fact that that person really, they would do any, they'd give anything for your morning sickness. Um, mm, it's true. So it's just a way we can be thoughtful of, you know, people who people around us, I think. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a, there is a, an article, and I'll link back to it, 
in the show notes today, but one of the things that this author is saying that she felt like wasn't helpful as she struggled with infertility was people pressing her for updates. Do you agree? Um, I kind of feel like this is a personality thing. It is. And it probably depends on what kind of your situation is. Like if people are doing IVF and you know that you're in the middle of an IVF cycle and you know, you, you find out, you know, is this a failure cycle or is this a positive? That I think would be difficult. Just let the person share when they're ready to share. Um, right. It, I would say that probably is legit. I mean, it tends to be if you have a new, you know, a newly married couple and every time the family gets together, when are you going to have kids? You know, that it puts you in a situation to have to answer a question you're not prepared to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I, I did not have that situation where that was a frustrating thing for me, but I can see how that could be for a whole lot of people. And it may also, you know, you end up having maybe embarrassing conversations or conversations you're just not prepared for yet. Um, Right. So that's probably a good, maybe just say, you know, how are, how are you doing? How can I be praying for you? How can I walk alongside you? And that way they can share what they want to share without it being a specific question. Um, Gary and Laura were saying that, and I think this is absolutely true. Like we don't, we don't uh, know how to handle suffering very well in this country. Certainly not in Western civilization. We absolutely mm-hmm. struggle with talking about things like death. But they were saying that it was helpful for them when people would just acknowledge what was going on. Hey, listen, I know that this is hard for you. You know, you must miss your son or whatever. And I'm wondering if it's the same thing. I know for the, I've walked through some pretty deep, deep water. Uh, in my life, like we all have. And uh, I think our sensitivities are different. But would you say from someone who has struggled with infertility, was it is it helpful for a friend to say, hey, I know that you're really struggling with this and I just want you to know I'm praying for you. To be able to bring it up, I guess that's my question. Do you mind, uh, did you mind if somebody brought it up and said, hey, I'm praying for you, would you rather that it didn't get brought up at all? No, I, I did not mind that. Um, because I think, I think it is a kindness when we care for people that way and acknowledge, Mm -hmm. you know, what they're going through. So I, Mm -hmm. I think so even Mm -hmm. it can be simple, you know, just give them a hug and say, Hey, I know this is a hard time for you and I'm praying for you. You know, it doesn't. So I would, I would agree with that. Just a a memory that, Oh, somebody knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I, I know even for me, uh, you know, with the, I've got a few people in my life right now that are really struggling in the death of a spouse, or death of a child, or they're going through a hard thing. And it's helping me know how to sort of traverse this season with my friends and be able to enter in and just say, hey, I love you. Because I think that's the heart, right? The heart is to say, I love you. And we want to be sensitive in the, uh, as we close this out today, can you just take a minute and talk to the mom who's listening to you and tears are running down her face and she's going, mm-hmm. That's me. I'm never going to be okay. I'm never going to get over this. Uh, what do you? What can you offer to that mom right now? I would say two different things. There, there, and I want to end with a the verse that really I think carried me all the way through. And and I wouldn't say it's over. You know, I'm at the spot now where forty, I'm um, forty five or forty six, and there's I'm rounding a spot now in our life where I know the Lord really is not ever going to answer this. Because my mm-hmm. body's going to shut down in that department. And so then mm-hmm. there's a whole nother, it's like, here we are. Okay, we're we're still here. And we're even though I really mm-hmm. do feel like the Lord said no, you know, a long time ago. So it, it does continue yeah. to kind of come back. So I'm there with you is mm-hmm. what I would say. You're not hurting alone. Um, 
And there was a season, I was at a Stephen and Mary, right? Mary Beth Chapman event after the daughter was um, run over and they lost her. He, um, Beauty Will Rise was the CD that came out after that. Mm. And that was like, I would get in my band and just bawl my eyes out listening to that CD over and over and over again. And I was at an event with theirs. It was called A Night with the Chapmans. And she was telling a story about um, I, I, I don't, I don't remember exactly the details, so I won't try to muddle through what I can't remember, but there was a point in the story where she was talking about not, um, not, you know, the Lord, not answering what we're asking for. And it had something to do with, with infertility or pregnancy or something. But in that moment, I thought of my friend who was walking through infertility and my first thought was for her, not me. And that was a really big, for me, I thought, oh, my first thought was for somebody else who's hurting more than myself. And that was a marker for me that, okay, the Lord, he's going to heal this. He's going to keep holding my hand and we're going to keep walking through this and it's going to be okay. And um, Mm. so I think I would say that the the hurt, it comes and goes and it changes, but it's going to be okay. You know, you're not alone. There will be a season where you will be able to think more, you'll think of someone else's hurt and it will be bigger than your own. And, Mm. um, and I think I would ask the Lord for those opportunities, ask the Lord to help you watch for those people that you can, you can care for because you can care for people in a way that nobody else can. That's right. And I think that, um, that was, that was a big thing for me. But then the other one was I read a lot through Habakkuk and I would encourage everybody. It's only three chapters. It's really short. But this one at the end um, of Habakkuk 3, Habakkuk, it's similar to Job where he's saying, God, what the heck? Why are you not doing this? And then God comes back and he's like, uh, well, you know, A, B, and C, he answers all these things. And he said, this is my plan in Habakkuk 1. He talks about this is my plan. And I actually just read this the other day. He says, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe it if you were told. I, I did I don't recall reading that all those years ago and I know I did because I've read Habakkuk like 50 times but this verse or verses it's in 317 though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines though the yield of the olives should fail and the fields produce no food though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls and that basically to the people back then that meant you got nothing nothing That's to keep right. you alive nothing to sustain you no family no you know nothing all of the ways to provide for yourself and sustain yourself were empty. And then he says, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. And that was how I felt a lot of those times. There Mm. was nothing. And there over and over and over again, every 28 days, there was nothing. Another 28 days, there was nothing. But there is a long just an undercurrent of knowing that I know that I know that I know that the Lord loves me. He loves my family and he knows what is best for us and for his glory. And, and that is where the joy, that is the joy of our salvation is trusting Mm -hmm. him and knowing that he's fully capable of changing the situation. And there's a reason he didn't and trusting him in that. And that's what makes it. So you just keep putting one foot in the other and keep, reminding yourself that you are loved. The Lord knows you're not forgotten. 
And there's a reason that he's picked this challenge for you. And then your opportunity is to give and ascribe, point glory to the Lord as you walk through. That's your job, to trust the Lord and to point others to the Lord through your struggle. And that can give a purpose to the challenge that you're walking through. Um, and it's not for nothing. And you'll never, you'll probably never know, you know, why God, why this? Why? We don't, we probably yeah. won't know. So many of these um, answers, I think, that we want uh, in our humanness, right? It's right. It's normal and natural, I think, to want answers, to need an answer. When we lose a child or or we moved across mm-hmm. the country for a job that didn't work out or whatever it is, we want the answer. And sometimes God says, I'm not going to give you this answer, this side of, of eternity. You're going to just mm-hmm. need to trust me. And uh, the gift in all of that, I mean, that was certainly the case for me, you know, growing up the way I did. And I, I constantly would ask the Lord, why, why am I in this situation? Why can't you fix it? When are you going to change it? And it didn't, it never changed. It never got better. And yet God has given the gift to me of being able to relate to a woman who's struggling in the same way that I did. And I think that is part of what God does while we're on this earth in saying, um, I've made you to be salt Mm -hmm. and light to a hurting world and the best person to struggle or to comfort someone who's struggling with a breast cancer diagnosis, for example, is not someone who's never experienced the pain of that diagnosis. It's someone who has and who's walked through it and who can say wholeheartedly, the Lord is good and his Mm -hmm. heart is for you. And that I think is the beautiful thing for me as your friend, uh, knowing your heart, is to see God using it still and having your focus be outward. Mm-hmm. It really is a blessing to watch. Well, thank you. It's it's a gift to be able to, um, it helps you stay, I think, outside of yourself a little bit when you can do that, or mm-hmm. it does me anyway. Um, but yeah. I want to do it well. Yeah. I, I, I want to point people to Jesus well. I don't want to be mopey and uh, if that's the Jesus that I'm offering to people is a self-centered, right. you know, defeated, mopey. Well, who who wants that? Right, right, but right. But I really yeah. do. They're trust, like, I got you know, that at home with my four-year-old. Yeah. I don't need that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is what it is. You know, I can't change mm-hmm. it. Lord knows, I've no. done everything I can possibly do. <laughs> yeah, you it's know? true. It's, it's what he's picked. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's good to hear. You say that in the midst of all of that, you recognize that he's good and that he knows what's mm-hmm. best for you and for his glory. And uh, and that there's a blessing in it. There really is. Well, Melissa Krebji, you are a treasure to me personally, and I so appreciate your willingness to come alongside uh, moms who are struggling today and just give them a, a boost and some joy in the Lord. So thank you for coming on and talking with me about this. I appreciate you. Mm, thanks. And I'll be praying really for the women who are hurting as they're listening and for the mm. ones who are friends. You know, it's a it's a good friend who cares for others and who can um, who is looking for ways, you know, to care for hurting friends. So, yeah, it's good. I love thanks. that. Yeah, it really is. We'll link back to those websites uh, in the show notes. And if anyone's listening, if you guys have resources that I did not mention today, Feel free, you can send those to us at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday and Melissa will uh, get those and we will put them in the show notes. So we would love to hear from you. Melissa Crabtree, my friend, you're a treasure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. For more information about today's topic, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast 
And I'll link back to links and resources in the show notes today. I hope this was an encouragement to you, you guys. Have a great day today. Love your families well. And I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith 